right. I've never gotten the she sells seashells. I always say she shells. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells on the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. For if she sells seashells on the seashore, then I'm sure she sells seashore shells. Dang. Sure she does. But <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Podcast over. Peace. I'm... This is all we needed to do. Dung twisters. Let's go. Welcome to a Nerdy Bun presentation of Back to the Feature. We are the collective known as the Cosmic Trio. We traverse the space-time continuum, watching movies 20 years or older. I'm your host, English Dave, and helping me find out who framed a tune are my co-hosts, Raven and Rocket Mike. What's up, guys? Hello. What up, Dave? This is a movie that I've been looking forward to seeing, and I'm super excited that we saw it recently. The reason we're watching what that the reason why we're watching this movie is twofold. One it's kind of like a love story so it's a go-to valentine's movie this year i guess but most sure. importantly <laughs> it is a romance deep down when i think valentine's day i think animation <laughs> i think roger rabbit hell yeah give me looney tunes I, and I mean, disney he this, loved that this, lady. Is, this, this is a secretly a love story telling telling people that hey it doesn't matter what you look on the outside it's who you are on the inside you can get a hot-ass chick like jessica rabbit super hot also i was just imagining now i was like he is a rabbit what are they known to do no there's a moment surprised he doesn't have a hundred kids in this show but thing is there's a moment there's a moment in in the movie though where where eddie says oh he must be good in bed as a joke and then she's like you don't know the half of it or something like that and i'm like oh she said that word i missed that part someone like oh yeah he's like <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay. much better in bed than he is on the street or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> you better believe it, honey. Uh, exactly, something like that. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the main reason why I decided in this film is because the new Sonic movie is coming out um, this week as we record this. Well, not as we record this, next week as we record this. And it's a live action animation hybrid. What and a journey that's been, most- too exactly you know that that movie you know i'm that movie at first like everyone else i was like what the fuck is this shit with the first design and then the redesign in the new trailers i'm like okay maybe mostly because of jim carrey i feel like he's actually trying you know i hope for so. a kids movie i feel like he's actually trying i see this some i see uh sonic tomorrow by the way so i'll let you guys know as we call this i see it tomorrow Please. at a screening uh we actually put up a screening um the passes for this so if you guys got one and i hope you guys i hope to see you guys there uh where are we yes i wanted to talk about uh, one of the most famous uh animated live action movies this wasn't certainly wasn't the first some others had tried before um decades earlier even but this is one of the most famous ones and so i thought it'd be great to uh check this one out can i also tell you this time around i really noticed how much it's a story about this guy dealing with grief Dude, for real, like so many subtleties. I was like, wait, so this is all about a cop that became an alcoholic after the death of his brother and yes. then worked through his past traumas by helping solve the murder of a cartoon? That's what this is about the whole time? Like even little even <laughs> Dude, little I had things no like, idea. <laughs> even little things like the brother, the two brothers, they were famous for helping cartoons. You know, yeah. in, the, in the first place. And then they gave up, they gave up on he gave up on that. Because the cartoon killed his, but like the the dealing with that trauma, I was like, damn, this movie's real now. <laughs> yeah, or the fact that like he's never cleaned the desk since his brother's desk is still set up the same way. It's just dusty oh, now. Yeah, cobwebs. Like just there was so many like little subtleties, you know. Like when you look through the the articles, and I, I felt like it was just like, damn, you know, realizing <laughs> the subtleties now. I was like, they actually put a lot of thought and effort into this film, way more than I originally thought. I just thought it was like a silly movie when I was younger, you know. And they also truly embrace the noir style, which I love. All right. Um, synopsis. The synopsis is as followed. Down on his luck, private eye, Eddie Valiant, gets hired by a cartoon producer, R.K. Maroon, to investigate an adultery scandal involving Jessica Rabbit, the sultry wife of Maroon's biggest star, Roger Rabbit. But when Marvin Acme, Jessica's alleged paramour and the owner of Toontown, is found murdered, the villainous Judge Doom vows to catch and destroy Roger. Directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Gary K. Wolf, who wrote the original novel with a screenplay by Jeffrey Price, and of course, starring Bob Hoskins, uh, Kathleen Turner, and um, I always, always forget in this, in this film, Christopher Lloyd. 
when, when I was watching it, my wife was just like, is One that Doc Brown? scariest villains of all time. Yep. <laughs> Somebody says, what like, say? Christopher Lloyd's either 40 or 80, and we can right? never really tell. <laughs> no idea. It depends on the movie and the day. Like, you just really have no idea. And you know what it is? Uh, a lot of that is because, and we'll get into this when we eventually do this podcast, in Back to the Future, he was aged up in some, a, lot of, a lot of the film. You know, they put prosthetics to make him look like an older guy so that when they'd go back in time, he'd look young again. So I was, was like... going to say, he looks younger <laughs> slash older now at the same time than he did in Back yeah. to the Future, which is fucking They try weird. to speed up his age, and then his body <laughs> fought back. And I'm like, how? Right? <laughs> I feel like if anything in Back to the Future, they're like, this guy's going to age terribly. Let's like just, just going to be Benjamin you know? Button. I'm like, in he's real just... life, he looks, he looks fine as an older right. dude now. I feel like he hasn't lost his energy. He's still got that energy about him. Um, yeah. Do you know, I, I was even seeing his Judge Doom character. I was even thinking that if it, if that movie didn't happen and it was made now, I could see someone like Jim Carrey play that role. I mean, he would be so amazing in that role. <laughs> if you need somebody that's very, very animated physical yes. actor, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so good. And the ending death scene is one of my favorite death scenes. I, I just thought about it now. I just realized... The new Sonic movie, Jim Carrey is the villain in that movie. Oh yeah, so, oh that's what I was gonna say. Go. Maybe but... somebody else thought of it, dude. Maybe somebody just talking. It's like you know Jim what? Carrey, just Jim Carrey, not a villain, not a hero. They just throw Jim Carrey in there. He's just Jim Carrey, and watch him be the best part of the movie. Yeah, because he's he's Robotnik, right? Yeah, Robotnik, hundred percent. That's the main reason I'm actually interested is because I feel I'm like, like Jim I only Carrey... care about Jim Carrey, and I'm I a huge like he's Sonic going fan. In. I have a Sonic tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm going for jim yes we're going for jim <laughs> um what are your personal histories in this film this is a movie that i'm sure all of us have seen at some point on at various uh ages of our lives uh raven i'll start with you what's your history of this film uh i don't remember the first time i saw it but it's one of those movies that were like always on tv i feel um especially the wb uh i felt like it was on every saturday and uh, it was one of those movies that, like, you know, as a kid, just seeing the visual style of it and um, kind of the, um, what do you call them, kind of the gags, you know, mm -hmm. I, I assumed as a kid that, one, it was a kid's movie, which I realize now, really not appropriate for children. And uh, two, you know, I realized, you know, or when I was younger, I thought that it was literally like, you know, a cartoon, fun, comedy movie. And I really just loved the art style. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't really tell exactly why I loved it so much. But I was just like, this is different, and I love it. And Roger's really funny. And uh, now that I get older, I'm like, wow, this is a real film. Who knew? <laughs> it's a real film now. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, Mike, what is your history of this film? Um, <clears throat> I can't remember, honestly, the first time I saw it. It was always, like, in passing along, like, so much that I thought that other animated movie with Brad Pitt, uh, was a cool, yeah, cool, cool world. world. Cool world. Yeah, I thought like it was like one movie from like a long time ago. <laughs> the same character he loses and gains weight throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, like that, <laughs> and then Dick Tracy, and it was like the, all of them kind of meshed together <laughs> oh, for I me. Love Dick Tracy, you know, like everything is wow, very colorful and comic booky and cartoons, and <laughs> that's just all I said. But it was everything had like a very dark, you know, uh, film noir feel to it. All of them, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was like I, I couldn't remember differentiating which one was which, um, and I saw it. I, I, so I really, yeah, this is like the first time I can't remember the first time I saw it, or even the last time I saw it before watching this now. Like, mm -hmm. it's just always been back there. It could have been a year ago. It could have been ten, fifteen years ago. I can't remember the last time I watched it. I also do feel like I still remember a lot of the quotes. Which is yeah, weird. I was like, no, I've seen this whole thing. It's like weird how you remember. Oh yeah, I remember the dip and. Christopher Lloyd just yeah. being absolutely terrifying and um, every kid was scared of him. Yeah. And then just like, it was the first time we're seeing Disney and Warner Brothers Looney Tunes uh, in the same screen. First and last time the only in history. It's like the Avengers of our time. Yeah. yeah. No more than that. It's as if Avengers and Justice League were and together. And Batman. Yeah. Right. DC were like, Avengers and Justice League, I would just die. I wouldn't know. How I'm like, I don't need to see any movies anymore, I think. Like at least yeah, superheroes, yeah. like this is it. Yeah. No, it was literally all Spielberg's fault. Like I looked into it, Spielberg literally called every studio, and he had done Jesus so many power. good movies at that point. He had already done 
Indiana Jones. He'd already done um, every other great movie he's done. Or E.T., I think. When, when did E.T. come out? Not yet. I mean... Like, two other really big-time movies. I'm going to look them up now. But either way, um, he had already had huge success. So literally all he had to do was just call and be like, I'm making a movie. Oh, Joss. Give mm. me Joss. Oh, yeah, and E.T. Go. was in 82. So he'd already done mm. E.T., Jaws, and he'd done... Um... E.T.? <laughs> yeah, 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark. There oh, we go. oh, yeah. And mm. because he had done all of those already, if you're getting a call from Spielberg, like, I'm making a movie, you're going to do what he says. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's literally what happened. The movie he, man, you got it. Okay. Yep. They were like, you know what? This is unprecedented, but it's okay. You're Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg. I didn't realize Alan Silvestri did the score. He would go on to do... Yeah, um, to do Avengers, The no? Avengers score. Exactly. Yeah, Avengers score. This is, uh, Look at that. He was, movie had a, he was like, big team-ups? I'm there for it. I got the music for you. <laughs> I know it's what like, you're hearing. I'll tell you what you're you hearing. Get this. He's a team-up movie guy. Um, this movie was made on a budget. I just found out $50 million, and it would make $329 million. 50? That's a very That's Avengers uh, I mean, I guess, numbers, I, too, actually. I guess for... Yeah. <laughs> I also never realized how much money this movie made, though. I'm like, just in terms of like success, what they spent, yeah, you said yeah. 15 million? Yeah, five zero. But again, that doesn't adjust for inflation, so I'm not sure how much that would be in today's it's about 150. Era. Yeah, Sorry, that was like mid young. Sure, yeah. So that that's 150 million dollar movie. That's yeah, yeah. A lot. When they went back to like when that's they a lot adjusted, for them. the most expensive movie, um, not of all time, but it is. It's gambling, though, man. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 can, you can see it. It's all the tech and all the technical stuff they did. Yeah. Um, my my personal history of this movie, same as you guys, I don't remember the first time I watched it. It's just watching as a kid, I thought it was cool that cartoons live in the real world. You know, that's that's the reason why you're in that, you love that movie. Even though it's not really made for kids. And I'm sure, Mike, you're going to go in, you found out some information about this, that the book it was made, it was based on, it's a lot. Yeah, like, nothing lot really hardcore. like it. It's really, really dark. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be about a comic strip character named Roger Rabbit, who was actually kind of a yeah. dick, you know, and yeah. there was like he hired this investigator to figure out why the studio wouldn't give him his own strip. And um, in doing so, he's actually end up he's killed. And so now it's up to the detective to just discover why he was, you know, suddenly killed, you know, for wanting to do this. So it's like who killed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. So now it is. It's, this one was who censored Roger Rabbit was a title of the book sense it okay um and uh yeah disney bought the rights to it because they're like all right that's there's cartoons in there somewhere um and it's a great (laughs) concept of mixing um you know live action real world Mm -hmm. people with uh cartoons i'm like well that's right up our alley so they just changed everything especially once Mm -hmm. um disney decided to get um you know involving other studios especially warner brothers Mm -hmm. uh looney tunes you know that was a big one Mm-hmm. Oh, that's huge. Right. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is that um, two things. One, it tells you that changes from the source material don't always necessarily mean it's going to be bad. You know, sometimes it's good. You know, yeah, we, right? sometimes in this day and age, we get up in arms, we're like, fuck that shit, they're changing everything. It's like, yeah, well, I don't want that movie. Like, I read about what <laughs> who censored Roger Rabbit is about. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want that movie. And they're saying I that, like, Jesse Rabbit didn't really love him either. Yeah. Oh, no. And he had like a doppelganger, right? Or something? Mm. Yeah, something like that, yeah. This is a movie that, for the most part, it doesn't have many main actors. And I think uh, uh, Bob Hoskins does a really great job. When you see the behind the scenes of him working in the blue screen. The side like, by side is insane. It's insane. Especially like, it literally the time blew when... my mind. I didn't realize he was acting with nothing. You know, like, because even now, because <laughs> there's certain sets we have, you know, for like big movies like Avengers and certain things like that, that there'll be scenes that are mostly cg but they'll Mm -hmm. have you know an actual structure in place for them to play with like similar to how they did um the jungle book you know Mm -hmm. like the jungle book Mm -hmm. even though there was a kid running around with blue screen there was like a tree or a log or something to climb over dude was literally Mm -hmm. banging his head on air like this is (laughs) this is crazy (laughs) you know him ringing a bell the door didn't exist i'm like Mm -hmm. he's pressing nothing and he does it so well and it's so seamless that it like Really blew my mind and watching it again. And I think what makes it even more impressive is that it's at a time, 1988, where actors aren't, this is not normal. You know, today it's normal. You kind of, okay, I kind of figure out what to do. Because you know, even if you've not done it, you've seen it done enough that you kind of figure it out. But this is a time where you have no idea. 
you know, you haven't seen you results have no idea of what, what this can is happen. Look like. <laughs> so you're also feeling like an absolute fool throughout the entire yeah, right. production. <laughs> and the worst thing about it too is uh, the actor that played Roger Rabbit uh, wanted to be on set. Like the director thought it was a good idea. We'll have the voice actor on set so that you know he can actually converse back and forth with somebody. But the uh, actor insisted that they make him a costume. See, he was he's in a Roger Rabbit costume, <laughs> grown ass man, and like the, he's red overalls and he's doing the whole scenes and everything. Like, but as an actor, you're looking up and seeing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> does help. Looking at this grown man in like a onesie with a with a rabbit voice, and you really have no idea how the final result is going to turn out. It's never been yeah. done, so I feel like no, for exactly. Bill Hoskins, like, you know, I I tip my hat off to you, man, because that is some brave acting right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, I completely, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, Mike, do you have any more information about how this film came together? Um, that just the fact that it was just a novel that the studio found like i said interesting because they're like oh that's right up our alley you know that's mm -hmm. cartoon way um i don't know like I, I read some more about the casting though that was actually kind of interesting being as yeah, that yeah, steven spielberg was um obviously had a lot to do with bringing this together uh they thought about harrison ford first but he was too expensive uh chevy chase <laughs> uh was brought up but then he wasn't interested and then Bill Murray was actually a really favorited pick, but he actually never got the message. <laughs> and like, they were like, oh, yeah, it's yeah and it so never got to him. Yeah, I would have loved Bill Murray in this. Bill Murray would have wanted to do it, too. He's like, I wish I had known, but then they went off to somebody else and nobody told me. Like, what the hell? <laughs> can I tell you a fun fact? And we can probably do a podcast about it. Bill, Bill, there's many, many famous roles Bill Murray has missed out on because he doesn't have an agent. He just has an answering machine and he checks it once in a while. Yep, <laughs> that sounds about that sounds about right. Well, that makes sense then. But it's funny too thinking about what voicemails he did receive. You know, <laughs> got that call for Groundhog Day. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll do that. I mean, I'm glad he did. Sure, but then like, uh, how many crazy concepts did he actually, you know, take on for Judge crazy. Doom? Uh, they actually had other people in mind before uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, it was actually Tim yeah. Curry was uh the first to audition wow. but they're like no he's wow. terrifying like <laughs> he was too scary <laughs> <laughs> and i saw a still from his audition he's scary as and he is he's got these wide like i think they put in like red uh um and the contacts deep, like uh... it's terrifying um <laughs> then they tried john cleese and then he wasn't scary enough like, like, yeah, I would I just think say, about just like him doing mad. silly walks everywhere, you know, in a cartoon world, if I, if that happened. Um, and then actually Christopher Lee, uh, Saruman here, you know, oh. they went, uh, were ready to put him in, but then he actually, unfortunately, turned it down. Uh, I could have seen him as that too. Like very powerful, but also like semi-evil and that voice too makes it, you, you know. But then I was like, then to do that, like high pitched at the very end to see Christopher Lloyd like that. It's like, yeah, that's traumatizing. I don't want to see that. That's too scary. <laughs> I almost skipped it this time. Yeah. But Christopher Lloyd, I was like, all right, that was perfect. <laughs> but that's really it. That's all. Uh, that's all, folks. Uh, I see we did that. <laughs> all right, let's get into the actual film itself. Um, I like the opening. Uh, it opens with us in the middle of a cartoon. The cartoon cuts because Roger had messed up. He was supposed to see stars, not birds. Which is when we find out that baby Herman isn't quite a baby. He's a grown-ass man who looks like a baby. I love the line later when he says, I have a problem. Something like, I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm a horny thing in a baby's no, body. No, he said he has that. a 50-year-old lust and a, what, three-month-old dinky? Yeah. It's a very great line. I was like, God damn. It's like, okay. poor guy. That's tough. Life is hard for you. I get why you're so angry. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're introduced to the hybrid world. And, you know, it still looks good. You know, it does. Like, like when you're brought into that world of you, I, it, it feels real. And I think it feels, it feels like, and I think, like I said earlier, it doesn't feel like they've translated animated characters to the real world. No, you literally brought them to the real world. And I think it does. They did a great job of interacting, bringing that. Um, we're introduced to Eddie Valiant, uh, Private Eye, who's hired by studio head R.K. Maroon to investigate Jessica Rabbit. Um, 
because he says, Roger won't work if his heart is broken. I want to make sure that his heart doesn't get broken. Eddie hates tunes, but he reluctantly takes the job. Uh, he likes to drink. Uh, you know, at the beginning He's of this He's also very film, broke. He owes Dolores some bread. Yes, he owes Dolores some money. Some money. So he <laughs> says, fine. You know, I, I completely forgot when this movie is set. And I think little things like a hundred bucks. I was like, uh, okay, set then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it tells you that, that it's definitely set way yeah, back. Then she was like, 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that was a lot <laughs> back then, wasn't it? Now that's like lunch money. <laughs> He's like, what? That's it? Like 50 bucks? That's, that's what? To do your, to be a private investigator? Get that. Get out of here. Right? Like you better ask for like four times that, man. Um, What I like about this intro as well is that you find, it, it plants the seeds for, Eddie's drinking problem but you don't really realize it because at first I was just like why are they making this guy drink this is inappropriate for this kind of movie yeah. you know you forget that it's <laughs> it's like what was this movie rated was it PG-13 or PG I actually don't know PG-13 yes it makes a lot more sense when I was a kid I thought it was like G-rated just because they were cartoons and my parents <laughs> did too yeah <laughs> <laughs> I definitely shouldn't have been watching it. Yeah, that was definitely a peach. And then we also get our first look at at the fact that they're not just putting us in, putting any old cartoon, right? Because before this, we see Roger and the baby just made up cartoons. Then we see Dumbo, and you're like, oh, okay, they have famous cartoon characters as well. I <laughs> like it when he says, "The best part, they work for peanuts." Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, okay. And it's a joke, but damn, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm rich off of these things. <laughs> Like right uh, after accepting the job, Eddie decides to leave, and uh, you know because he doesn't have any money, he's like, "Who needs a car in LA? You can just jump on the bus." He jumps on the bus, gets some cigarette from some kids. I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> more and more, just Casually one step too. after another. It's like... like it wasn't even like a piece of commentary to say, "Hey, kids, don't smoke cigarettes." It was just like the kids, kids like, have cigarettes cigarette now. Takes it <laughs> just all the time. Move along. <laughs> Eddie arrives at the local bar where we're introduced to Dolores. And like Raven said, he owes Dolores money. She doesn't want to help him at first until he's like, hey, look, but I got the check. And she's like, okay, where's the rest of it, though? And I love that moment because it tells you that she he owes her a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but she kind of has a sweet spot for him as well. And uh, we get a bit of exposition telling us that the red car public transportation is being bought out by a company called Cloverleaf, which at first you think is just a little throwaway thing. You don't realize how much that means. And and I think this is a li- these are little bits that remind you that this movie is also a whodunit murder mystery. Yeah. You know, by, by planting these little like things. Like you don't realize they're actually like putting, you know, a bunch of little breadcrumbs throughout. But like completely went unnoticed by me my whole life until now. Mm-hmm. Because like, I didn't like I didn't understand the red car thing mm-hmm. at all. Same. I feel like I just mm-hmm. completely missed that whole sentence, the whole thing. <laughs> Dude getting laid off, like just straight over my head. Um, yeah, so like realizing like because uh, then the end is you know such a reach. <laughs> but it makes more sense now that like that was what he was planning to do. I was like, okay. Exactly, exactly. But I also, I will get into it later. And I also love that the the the, the bad guy's plan is such a boring plan. It's you know, so like, stupid. Billboards as far as you can see. <laughs> well, the worst thing about it, though, it made me realize, like, that's people's plans in real life because freeways exist. And they really right. knocked people out of their land to build freeways with billboards. And I'm like, that was someone's Cheap motels, gas stations. But the thing is, right? What I love about the way he portrays it, though, is that people who are like that in real life, for them, it's more about the money that they're making. They don't care who they're fucking up. I'm making money, right? Yeah, Whereas exactly. he is, it didn't seem about the money for him. He's literally excited to He's have excited billboards. excited about a freeway. <laughs> it makes no sense. Like, he's legit excited about that, which is why I kind of thought Jim Carrey could have done this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's it would have made more for sense. freeway. <laughs> um, yeah. We also, this way we find out when some guy tries to tease Eddie, we find out that Eddie's brother was killed by a tune. Uh, a piano was dropped on him. And I was like, damn, that's dark. When that it got super dark, shit. super fast. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Which starts to tell you why he's drinking. It starts to give you... Ex- and, you know, it's never quite said how rec- how long ago this happened to his brother. I mean, enough time has passed that there's dust on the desk, but that could happen. That could be a couple weeks. weeks. 
Yeah, exactly. So it, it's but you get a sense that's fairly recent. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get that sense. Also, of only um, the things that I gathered too that I never realized was super important was um, you know, his relationship to Dolores. Dolores, yes, was his woman alongside his brother. There's photos of the mm-hmm. three of them together at the beach on vacations. So I'm like, a part of me was like, wait, Dolores is his wife this whole time? Like not wife, but like very, very, his very girl. significant other. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, so for her to end up bartending probably means that his problem was so bad to where she had to pick up a job bartending and he still holds her money at the bar. Damn. You know? Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like mm-hmm. any other photo that they see, it seems like she just worked with them, you know, doing mm-hmm. the gigs or whatever. It didn't seem like she was always bartending. So I feel like well, that also just goes been... to show a deeper part of... It could have been, like, like you said, she worked with them almost like... They were the guys on the street. She kind of helped them out with with their work and shit like that. You know, like she was actually involved. Every time she comes back, she comes back to him with information. So yeah. you could see her. She's always like, oh, that's what I'm saying. That was, probably, that was probably her job. <laughs> that was probably how she made yeah. money before was being yeah. like an informant to them. Yeah. And, you know, dude's all washed <laughs> up and drunk now. So you yeah, got to yeah, pick right. up a gig at a bar. Right. Yeah, I hate you. And maybe the money he owes her is from back pay. Yeah. Well, she go, said she man. took it out of the till, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, true, 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 true. Because true, true, true. we can't do that, bro. Yeah. Well, then tells you how much she cares about him, right? You don't have no job. Risk. You steal. Right. <laughs> Where's the soap opera um, for just these characters? Damn, this whole backstory. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I almost want a movie with just like with what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like I want a prequel. But whatever. <laughs> um. Eddie goes. Eddie ends up leaving and goes to this nightclub lounge where he was told Jessica Rabbit's going to be singing, so he can keep an eye on her. And this is another great technical scene. And Rave, I'm sure you have some some cool stuff about this one. Uh, Donald, we get our first our first time seeing two separate characters: Donald Duck and uh, and uh, Daffy Duck from Disney and Warner Brothers. So that was one of our first times seeing my two mind. characters together. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm. And there's a lot of interesting things going on in in this in this scene. Raven, do you have any uh, fun facts for us? Yeah, I got a bunch. I'm going to try to, you know, narrow them down. But um, one of the big ones, so the deal that was made, obviously we talked about how there's a lot of characters from different studios. Part of the agreement with Warner Brothers was that if, if, they, if they put Daffy Duck in the movie, then, um, let's see the character, uh, Donald. one in the same scene. Yeah, Donald had to have the same amount of screen time. They had to have equal screen time. So they just put them in the same scene so that it was like they were dueling <laughs> it out. Um, but that was kind of how that came to be. But there were a lot of like little things like, okay, this person needs this much screen time or else you can't have them. This character needs this much. Like even Mickey, um, Mickey Mouse and, and Bugs Bunny. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the reason why Bugs Bunny later, I'll, I'll explain either way. So back to this scene. Uh, when the scene where Jessica Rabbit comes in, um, first of all, the way that they built Jessica Rabbit she was supposed to like be the, a super lusty character, but they wanted to make sure that her body shape and figure and her look was nothing close to any actual real human person or any mm, person that's okay. famous. So even the way that her body moves is the opposite way that a human's body would function. Mm. Like if you notice mm. while she walks, her tits bounce upwards instead of down. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is weird to notice because then you spend the rest of the movie watching it. I mean, and I gander. Lucky me. Um, (laughs) You know, oh no, how terrible. But yeah, so you (laughs) watch it and you realize just like the way her body moves, how fluid it is, the way her limbs move are the opposite way that a real life human can move, accentuating the fact that she's a lustful cartoon. Um, But in the scene Mm. where she goes and she sits on Eddie's lap, there's a lot of little things. you know, there's a person that rips his jacket back. There's, you know, there's a um, a robot doing certain different parts of it. And just getting the lightning right and the timing right. Like, there's a guy standing behind him behind the chair that takes his hat off. You know, mm. so it's a lot of, like, real things. But one of the biggest rules that they made for themselves in making this movie was that when their cartoon animated characters did certain things, our real worlds had to be affected. So I'm sure you see it in certain moments, like, you know, when his jacket gets pulled back later on in the film where, um, you know, Eddie kind of has uh, Roger in the water, you know, and Roger spits real water. Certain things like mm-hmm. that really just help 
make it feel like that animation exists in our world, which is the big difference to why people love Roger Rabbit and a lot of the other mm. animated, you know, live action movies don't work. So that's what happened mm. in that scene. Mm. And they modeled it somewhat after um, Tex Avery too. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, like you, you mm. like I feel like as soon as you say Tex Avery, you're like, I get it, you know? <laughs> but yeah, a lot of that um, scene was modeled after that. Outside of Jessica, we're introduced to two other characters in this scene. We're introduced to Marvin Acme, who's we find out is the owner of Toontown with his little uh, disappearing ink uh, and hand buzzer trick, which again, setting up the whole disappearing ink, which we find out later, disappearing, reappearing ink. I was like, oh, look at you writers. Smart. I like it. I like it. Also, uh -huh. another piece of, of cool little nuance to the story. We're introduced to Betty Boop. And I didn't notice this the first time when he's like, you working here? And she's like, yeah, ever since cartoons went color, I've had to make ends meet. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. She's out of work. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. I, I, and I thought that was very interesting. And I, again, I've spoke, I don't know if we, I mentioned this on podcast, but off podcast, I mentioned that at one point, talk of a sequel involved using CGI and how CGI has changed everything. And this is almost kind of like touching on that kind of transition, how things you know, change when transitions happen, right? Um, like Raven mentioned, we're introduced to Jessica and uh, everyone goes crazy, including every every uh, audience member that is attracted to women. Yeah, because uh, I was in there yeah. like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Jessica Rabbit is hot. And I, but you know what? I like what they do with Jessica Rabbit's character. And we'll go into it later, more later, but there's one line she says that stick, stuck with me when she, she says, best I'm not lines in history. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn this way. And I think that line Every thought is female line. has used that same phrase. No, but... I, but I think, but I think for her, for not her, for her it, I it, love that. About it's, her it's, it's real because it's literal because she is drawn as this person who you're supposed to see as this hussy slutty type person, but she really isn't. And she actually loves Roger. Like she legit. She really loves that man. <laughs> like she loves him so much. And everything she does is because she actually loves him and by the end of the movie you realize yeah she's literally not a bad person she's just easy to see once yeah uh, towards the end yes yeah that's the thing it's it's by the end of the movie you're like yeah. oh okay and that's what i like about the journey of her character but um eddie gets thrown out of of uh the the locations for trying to eavesdrop on marvin and jessica but it just happens to be where he's thrown out the window to their bedroom is to their room is right there and he takes pictures of them playing patty cake which then cut to him showing Roger and RK Maroon uh, these pictures. And Roger, I mean, Roger freaks out. I remember watching this with my wife the other day and she hadn't seen the film in a long time. So she did, she really didn't remember it. And when the pictures were taken, she's like, what? He had sex with a cartoon? And I was like, keep watching. And when she <laughs> finds oh, out it's worse. literally patty cake, she was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> patty cake! It is reaction. I love he just kept so flipping amazing. it over so it looks like the... A little animation of its own, you know. Each image, exactly. and I love how he's flashing through. <laughs> like just keeps playing movie. it over and over. I'm like, this guy's just torturing himself now. But I loved it's it because it's subtle. Because I was like, that's how they made cartoons back in the day. So I kind of love the right. very subtle, like, and this is how we make animations. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. And he's, like, just going through it. And they're just steady playing. Right, nice. right. And then we get another piece of setup, which will get payoff later. RK, to help Roger calm his nerves, gives Roger a drink. And we all see what happens when you give Roger a drink. He can't handle his drink. He literally blows his lid. And uh, yeah. after freaking out, after a comment from Eddie about, you know, he'll find other fish in the sea, Roger's like, no, never. And runs out the window, crashing, leaving a cartoon size shape. I'm sure that was really technical to do, to actually have that. I don't know how, did you see how they did that, Raven? Tons no, of sadly. Crashing out the window. Yeah, I'm, I'd like I, to, to I couldn't find it myself. So I feel like that would be really interesting to have done. Uh, where are we now? Uh, da, da, da. Eddie returns to his office. And uh, this is what you, you spoke about late, earlier, Raven. We see the pictures. And this is a great piece of exposition to have the camera kind of pan over these, these characters. Because he, he's looking at pictures of... Because it starts with Eddie looking at pictures. He's reminiscing himself. And then we pan to a whole bunch of pictures. And we see, like you said, uh, his history with his brother and, and Dolores. And then we cut to the next morning. But you don't really see that. That transition is so seamless. It's as if... He in his we're in his head and he's dreaming and he wakes up the next morning. I think that was done. I thought, thought for me that was done really really well. And we find out from an officer telling Eddie that uh, uh, Roger killed Marvin, 
And so they end up going to the scene of the crime. They arrive at the scene and they find out a safe was dropped on Marvin's head. That joke, the one the guy says. You're yeah. way too soon. <laughs> I was like, damn. He's like, what is it just like a tune to drop a piano? It's like, oops, sorry, Eddie. Like, damn. It, that's the thing. You could have just kept quiet. You'd have to say, sorry, like, Eddie. Too soon, <laughs> yeah. bro. And I instantly was like, ooh. <laughs> Oh, like, messed damn. up. Poor Eddie. <laughs> We're then introduced to Judge Doom. And we find out that he is the law when it comes to Toontown. And he gives zero fucks. And we find that out by him killing uh, this little cartoon shoe. And we also find out that they, that until recently. That poor shoe will never have a pair again. <laughs> His other dude is probably so sad. Right. And we find out that up to, up until recently. People thought you couldn't kill a tune, but Judge Dune had found that out. And you know, that scene is still horrible. I was going to say, that's a very traumatizing scene. Like, maybe <laughs> like one of my most traumatizing scenes from any movie. I think in terms of torture, might be the worst. I mean, or, or death, mm. you know, because he killed him. Yeah. It was just like, that always stuck with me. I feel like even if you don't remember anything else from the film as a kid, you remember the poor shoe and, and you know, Judge Doom's eyes in the end. <laughs> like, you remember those two things, and you're like, wow, that movie is crazy. Just like, oh, shit. And then we also find out that Judge Doom hires a couple of animated attuned weasels to go and uh, look for Roger. He said, I found they're really good for the job. Weasels. <laughs> weasels. Makes yeah, sense. boss. We'll find them. <laughs> You get a sense that he'd hide hyenas before, because when when they start laughing, he's like, "Stop laughing!" You end up like those hyenas. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, no, he said you end up like your cousins, the hyenas. And I yeah, can't yeah, lie, yeah. in real life, I deadass was like, "Wait, are hyenas and weasels related?" <laughs> and I googled it; they are not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just so you know, Boo. they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one is of the dog family, and another is of the feline. Um, Eddie. Eddie ends up re- re- returning to his office where he finds Herman there uh, who tells him that Roger was framed. He says that everyone in Toontown knew that Marvin was going to leave uh, Toontown to them in the will. And the fact that they've said that there's no will, there must be something afoot. Now, just a random fact about that um about that scene in the hallway. Uh, they actually built a whole robot to put into the, um, the stroller yeah. for the baby to smoke a real cigarette. I mean, a real um, cigar. So yeah, nice. literally they built a whole machine that uh, works based on pressurized air that literally, you know, does the arm in, smokes, and then pulls out. So it's a real cigar and real smoke in that scene. And then they painted the baby on afterwards, which is just crazy the detail they went through. They didn't. They could have very easily just made an animated cigarette. You know what I'm saying? An animated mm-hmm. cigar. But that's why this movie's so great because they built a whole Again. ass robot to smoke a cigar. And it's things like that that remind us that they are interacting in our world. Exactly. Not, it's not just other layer. They are within it. Yeah, know? they're so smoking they have to, our they have cigars. They're not smoking yeah. a, a tune cigar, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I thought that was really, really well done. Um, at first, Eddie doesn't believe him. But then, I, but then after some drink, he puts his glass on the table and he sees, oh, shit, on the picture, there was uh, something in Marvin's pocket, which looks like it could be the will. So he's now he's like, okay, I'm going to, I might believe him. Um, but he kicks Marvin out to get some rest and he finds Roger hiding in his house. Roger was like, I didn't go, I didn't do anything. I just went and wanted to write a love letter to, to my love. Look, here's a love in letter. Bed. <laughs> so messed up how he finds him too. It would freak me out. <laughs> and this is, we, we get some exposition from Roger and they're asking, asking like, what happened to you? you know, I remember Valiant and Valiant. You guys used to be helping tunes. That's why I came to you. You were the one that was supposed to be able to help us. You know, and, and, and we find out from Eddie, you know, that he, you know, his brother got killed and, and, and Ro- <laughs> I love this. That's not, is this the moment where he's telling uh, Roger the story? No, it's not until later. No, that's later. later. Yeah. And I love that scene. <laughs> that's later. Uh, Roger, as in a joke, handcuffs uh, uh, Eddie's hand to his hand. Eddie's like, I don't have the key. Damn, what's wrong with you? And at that moment, the weasels arrive. So Eddie has to hide Roger. Raven mentioned about some of those, uh, how they did some of those scenes. I thought that was really well done. Hiding him under the water and 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 uh, in terms of how the water was sprayed up. I saw, I saw the video on that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the video on um, is so cool. Yeah. 
we get another another little piece they're establishing that if they don't stop laughing they will die it's another, another thing that'll come by later but the weasels search the house and find nothing and end up leaving um eddie takes roger to the bar and asks dolores you know help me cut these things off and in cutting it i always loved that scene as a kid when rogers pulls his hand out <laughs> and he's just like you could have done this the whole time <laughs> <laughs> No, only when it was funny. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, that's that's pretty great, actually. <laughs> but you know what? It's so true, though. It's so true. He's a dude. I'm like, what do you want from him? I was dying. I was like, nah, dude. I this can't. is his life, Sometimes you know? He He's passionate about this. So great. It's moments like that that I feel like as much as it's a joke, it probably is very telling on how the physics and reality of things work for tunes. Because what if that's literal? What if literally he cannot remove it unless it's in a moment of humor? Like yeah, it's literally I'm physically sure impossible. That's the truth. <laughs> really so it's like that's how anything. the rules work for them. Because <laughs> like throughout because the film, like, I feel like we see other moments like that with other characters where like they can't be outside of their character. You know, like a weasel yeah. will laugh themselves to death. They can't help it part of yeah. like how their character was drawn or written or mm-hmm. whatever you know mm-hmm. i do like it as like an underlying bylaw it's like you have to again we it comes by by later but even little things like him being compelled to make people happy and laugh yeah he can't that's just, why he's he like, can't i can't murder anybody that. i was made yeah. to make people happy i literally can't <laughs> kill anyone yeah you literally can't yeah so that's that's again that's what adds to the layer of layers of this film it's not just for humor it's actually characterization at the same time um back at the office Jessica arrives to plead Roger's case. She reveals that she was forced to play patty cake by Maroon. Now we find out that RK Maroon is in on this as well. He's also, Roger said that in office. He was like, somebody must have forced her to do it. He knows exactly. his wife. He knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knows his wife. He went out he and does. wrote a letter. He didn't even get mad. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Dolores arrives and lets Eddie know that it's not Maroon who wants to in town, though. It's also the company Cloverleaf who has the highest bid. And if the will isn't found by midnight, that company will get the access and ownership of Toontown. Dun, dun, dun. Another layer is added to the mystery. Back at the bar, Eddie gets mad when he finds Roger has been entertaining all their patrons. What the hell's wrong with you? You're supposed to be hidden. But Roger's like, they need to laugh. And I love that line when he says that. Not that I needed to do this. They needed to laugh. Look at them. You know, he's like, it's what do you so say? It's so true, though. That was a sad-ass bar, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was a sad ass bar. Wasn't no happy nothing in there. Eddie thinks that they're gonna rat him out if he keeps doing that. But Roger's like, no, I made them laugh. When you make somebody laugh, they'll never do things like that. Happens to be the judge and the weasels arrive at the bar and they try to bribe the patrons. But guess what? Roger was right. They did not rat him out. But the judge has another plan: the old shaven haircut trick. I had no idea that that's all this called. You know, it's crazy. I feel like after that movie, it just became a thing for everyone. <laughs> like, that's like, that's our knock. Like, that's a go-to knock. When I, I think when I show up at your crib, that's how I knock. Like, it's my knock. It's my knock. And I wait for the dude. The shave, you know? the shaven yeah. haircut trick. Uh, no tune. Can, he can't, he can't, uh, he can't stop himself. But I love how that's done because we, the camera is on Eddie. And so you're thinking, what the hell? This is stupid. This is stupid. And then they turn to Roger. And you see Roger like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like he's really struggling. He cannot resist. And of course, um, Roger is caught. And the judge is about to kill Roger. Eddie's like, hey, how about giving him a last drink? And I love that scene. He's like, but I don't want to drink, Eddie. <laughs> you don't. I do you want do. It. No, you I don't. don't. <laughs> you don't. Do. I do. I don't. I do. I do. <laughs> And I love it gives us the whole the whole the good old uh duck season, rabbit yeah. season, duck season, yeah. Yeah. I was like, yo, in real life that don't work. I've tried it. You be like, You do, you don't, you do, you don't, you don't. They're like, exactly. <laughs> You're like, fuck. This sucks. Yeah, man. It, it only work works in cartoons. It only works in cartoons. Sad. <laughs> I think that's one uh, of their rules too. It's probably one of the <laughs> underlying things. Cartoons will always fall for the uh, reverse psychology (laughs) trick. Also, one thing I just want to bring up before we get too far past this scene. um, The bump the lamp uh, thing happened during the scene. There's a phrase that became coined because of this movie. It's called bumping the lamp. Basically, in the scene that we first see Roger come into the speakeasy um, back room, uh, Eddie accidentally knocks him into, you know, the lamp. The lamp. When he hits the lamp, the lamp swings. 
Now, it's very subtle, and just watching, you probably wouldn't notice, but with the lamp swinging, that means changes in lights, change in shadows, and all those other things. So, the animators are painting each scene, obviously, as they go. So, they're painting on top of all these scenes. So, to make that happen, literally, they I think it was 600 images per second that they had to make, where in one part... Uh, you know, they have to make his ears slightly translucent because his ears are thinner up top so you can see the light kind of pass through. And the very next second, you know, the back side of him is in shadow and the front is in light. The very next second, you know, his whole body is in light. And it's all based off how the lamp is swinging. And if you talk to the creators, they'll, you know, they tell you we could have very easily made him not hit the lamp. You know, uh, bumping the lamp became a huge challenge. One of the biggest challenge is that we had throughout shooting but they were like that's what we wanted to do was work hard and push past the norm and we wanted to push past uh you know or settling just for a good shot we wanted to make it amazing and they felt like you know just something as simple as bumping the lamp just up the movie to a whole different perspective and it just really helped us feel like you know the tunes really interact with our world and that scene alone took so much time so much effort it took like 72 different people to work on it just have that one scene happen and it's now become a thing bumping the lamp in film means giving that extra effort and putting in that extra care to something that could have been simple but you're giving it that extra love and attention and it ends up being great so boom there you go i think that's my last fact of the day for me i realized more and more the reason why i fell in love with film is movies like this because movies Literally. like roger rabbit are movies that I watched it and then I thought, how, how, how? And I got so interested and invested in the how. How did you do that? How did you make that? And I used to watch behind the scenes of all this stuff and it got me super fascinated in all, in all these things. Um, Eddie, like we said, Eddie gives, uh, manages to give Roger a drink. Roger, of course, explodes, distracting everyone and they escape via Benny the Cab. There's a car chase. They're chased by police and weasels. But then Eddie pulls the lever. Eddie, pull the lever. And I the love police, Benny, end up... by the way. I love him some Benny. <laughs> Really they get away the police and weasels crash into each other and they end up going to hide out in the movie theater uh we open with roger enjoying a goofy show which i love again because you find out that roger goofy's one of his idols you yeah know, he's one of the so cute. i'm like he would be yeah <laughs> and it's almost like goofy's played like charlie chaplin type you know like all the old greats you know the, the kind of physical comedy yeah and, and um when eddie's trying to tell him to stop and that's when Eddie tells him the story about what happened to his brother. We find out they never caught the killer, but he remembers he had a high-pitched voice and red eyes. I love Roger's crying. That is so sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd hate me too. <laughs> <laughs> if a tune killed my brother. And, you know, again, I it's don't a nice, hate nice you. Little you do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a good little, it's a good, it's a good little moment between the characters, right? Right. And, and then in this moment, Eddie realizes the connection between uh, the real estate angle of it all. He's like, oh, shit, this is a bigger thing than I thought. And Eddie and Roger end up going to the studio because Eddie wants to uh, find out because he's, he's like, Maroon is in on this, but I want to trick him. I'll tell him I have the will and see what he says. And so Roger waits outside. But while Roger's waiting outside, he gets whacked by Jessica. In this moment, we don't know her intentions just yet. Um, we go upstairs. Eddie's talking to Maroon. But before he can get all the information, he, Maroon is shot and killed. And But we get some information that uh, Maroon himself was forced to to do some things for the buyout. Uh, Eddie then sees Jessica running and gives chase. And uh, they go to Toontown. And Eddie gets his Toon gun. I kind of like that moment of him getting a Toon gun. <laughs> I wonder, does it, can a Toon gun kill a Toon? Can it, is, that, is that how it works? That's probably know. the only way it works. Yeah, I think I that's... <laughs> That's what's weird though, because they claim the dip is the only way to kill a tune. I don't right, get it. Right. Maybe it's just maybe, the maybe, maybe there's dip in the bullets. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like kind of like a taser where it will incapacitate them. Yeah. Whereas like a real gun would do nothing else at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I guess this story, this movie doesn't want to answer that question because those guns end up being useless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but good. this is a, this is a turning point for Eddie though, because he's about to take a drink and then he pours it down, and I love that moment. Because he's just like, no, I, I can't be doing this. What the hell's wrong with me? Yeah, and he I was goes like, into Toon... Right? Right? He goes into uh, Toontown 
meets Droopy. I remember Droopy. Droopy. Droopy here. <laughs> we need to I ends up going to the wrong room. I don't know why. I used to always love that scene. Oh man! <laughs> I still laugh. Derby right for just barging in. Humans in real life that act like that lady. <laughs> and in this whole elevator sequence, uh, if you, you can see some behind the scenes, is it's a whole sequence. Raven's talking about it earlier, where he's you know pressing the doorbell to elevators. A lot of blue screen. I think that whole sequence just to show off. Yeah, the entire time in Toontown, there's nothing but just him, <laughs> a blue screen, and lights. There's nothing right. else. <laughs> like nothing. Every yet. single thing you see, the doors, the woman, everything, it doesn't exist. He's reacting to literally nothing, just sounds. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Raven, do you have any information on uh, the Bugs and, and Mickey cameo here? This is when he's falling down. Yeah. Come up. So um, in the Bugs and Mickey cameo, when that happens, uh, Bugs is the one who gives him the spare tire. Disney had reached out um, and had, you know, explained that, like, Mickey can't be the one to give him the spare tire because Mickey would never play a cruel joke on somebody like that. <laughs> literally literally the studio was like nah <laughs> this is how it would go down so that's how bugs ended up passing the spare and mickey ended up responding poor guy <laughs> <laughs> i mean but still sitting back and allowing it to happen is just as bad as Mickey. Like, you knew it was gonna crush. happen you knew he was about to hand him mickey fuck out of here that's your friend you know you know what bugs is like you're an accomplice <laughs> but they were cool with it and that's uh how we ended up where we ended up at um, Eddie's saved by Jessica and she tells him that it was Doom who killed Marvin and the reason why she knocked out uh, Roger was to keep him safe uh, which is a weird way out. of keeping somebody safe but I get it right. <laughs> she says she'll do Somebody's anything for him sometime. she, hey, she will if Roger Rabbit was your your uh, significant other this crazy person who you don't know where he's going to be any second because he'd actually just run around everywhere yeah. you're going to have to knock, knock him out so you know exactly where he's going to be <laughs> Bless you, Raven. <laughs> I mean, you know he won't die, so I guess it's right, right. Um, where are we? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, they they are chased out of Toontown, but Doom ends up catching them and takes them to the Acme factory. I love the sequence where they're being searched and the booby trap. Always has to be joking. He's like, <laughs> nice booby, booby trap. Because at first that does. sequence, the, the weasel sticks his hand right in. I was like, whoa. <laughs> but yeah, split I was second, like, oh I was my. Just like, <laughs> this okay. is the eighties. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then this is where you find out the whole plan. Well, at least not the whole plan, because at this point we don't quite know much about Doom. But we find out that Doom is the sole shareholder of Cloverfield. And he's doing all of this because he wants to get rid of all the tunes so he can create dun, 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 a freeway. We've, made, we've spoken like, about come that. Come on, man. <laughs> Cheap motels and billboards as far as I but can like, see. spent so much money. To build a freeway that he's not making money off of. He wants people to start businesses and promote their businesses alongside his freeway that he spent money on. That he's not getting paid for. It's very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I can't lie. Roger That's probably like one of my only nitpicks of the film. Because like recently I've, I've watched Knives Out like three times in a row. And it's just such a good whodunit film. You know? And like just a very very ending reveal i love that he's a tune but i do feel like there's like little things that make it a reach and not the tune part but like the freeway tune i feel like there's little things that you're like wait but but i just like laugh it off and then you know what tunes are supposed well, to be well the reason why i mean so whatever. i'm on two minds of that because i think the reason why i find it hilarious is because of the stupid the stupidity of the plan is that it would be a tune that would come up with a plan like that? It, it, yeah, that's why I'm like, it's fine, I forgive it. it. It would be a tune. But my only thing is, and I, and I wonder if the, the, it was there in like the, the script, is that why does this tune want to kill other tunes? Yeah. Like, we never quite get that. Like, what what did tunes do to him? Yeah, that's you know, why like, I felt he... like it was a it was a reach. Like, there's just very small yeah. details missing that yeah. make it a, ooh, of course it was him. You know? Yeah. This is more so that. Because yeah. you know how, like, a lot of times in a whodunit, when you end up finally finding out who it is, you yeah. feel stupid because you're like, of course yeah. it fucking was. How did I miss yeah. that? Yeah. You know, but with him, yeah. I'm like, eh, not really. Because I rewatched it again. The only subtlety that I really noticed is when they're in the bar and um, Roger kind of flips out after the drink and then kicks the dip. 
Yeah, and he steps back. In that scene, he steps back. And I was like, wow, I yeah, never yeah. noticed that. He's probably stepping back because, yeah. you know, he's a tune. He couldn't get hit with the dick. Mm-hmm. But, when you know, when you're watching it, you're just... But like, even, the, even the eye part, when he falls down, his eye gets knocked down. He's covering his eye when he's talking. True, you know, for, yeah. For ages, yeah. he keeps covering his eye. There's Very that. small. But, 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 but even then, even then... But even then, they, even even with the hints that he is a tune, I still agree. I think... Regard even if they gave us more hints that he's a tune, I think for me the bigger issue is, but why do you want to kill other tunes though? Yeah, you know, why like, do you want to present yourself as a human? Like, why do you hate being a tune? Yeah, because yeah, clearly you hate tunes so much that you want to kill them all. So I'd love to have seen some kind of backstory to be like, oh, okay, this is why he hate. They all treated him terribly because he was the villain, and he this is. Well, we've given so many uh, proof that we need a prequel for this movie. I was gonna say, well, right? it's settled. We need a prequel. <laughs> Obviously, so much material. You know what went on with Eddie and his brother and Dolores, and you know why the hell this tune ended up so evil, and you know how the brother gets killed and everything like that. How Roger and Jessica met. I was like, right? Like, granted, the um, the writer uh, was it K. Wolf. He um, he came out with like two other books based on this. The last one was out in like 2013. The second one was like late 90s. Um. I don't know what they're about, but they're about Roger Rabbit. So I don't know when they take place in terms of story. So maybe they did go back. But they follow the book narrative, which is very different. So I guess I don't know. True. How it's it's probably nothing right. like what we want. Right. <laughs> Damn it, studio. Um, you tell us now. <laughs> um, Roger, uh, Roger arrives to try and save the day. Fails utterly. <laughs> Roger, yeah, Roger and Jessica end up getting tied up. And Dune tells, after falling and slipping, Dune tells uh, Weasels, kill the tunes, make Eddie watch, and then take him out afterwards. And then he leaves. Eddie has an idea, though, because he remembers about the laughing stuff. And this is where, again, another change in Eddie. He realizes, he stops taking himself too seriously and realizes that there can be things achieved when you can have fun. And he causes them to laugh to their death. That sequence also kind of freaks me out because that, se- that scene when one of the Weasels is literally trying to grab onto his soul. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. It's like fucked that's... up. It went there. <laughs> I also oh, wanted to put up a video on our page just that moment and be like, when was the last time you laughed that hard? Yeah. <laughs> when your soul escaped you. <laughs> like your soul is just... And you're like, please, no, you're like literally grabbing you're to your literally soul like trying dead. to grab onto No, dead. <laughs> dead. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, that's that a good up. laugh, man. <laughs> Crazy. I was like, oh shit. And they end up laughing themselves to death. And uh, while Eddie's trying to save Roger and Jessica, Doom returns and stops him. And they have a quick sword fight. Well, a brief sword fight, the singing sword. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm sure that singing sword is from something though. We used to see that in cartoons. I forget which cartoon. Yeah, I was like, what is that? That's definitely, definitely something. Uh, Doom gets the advantage and attempts, and attempts to steamroll Eddie, but he fails and ends up getting stuck to the steamroll himself. And he gets rolled over. That's another brutal scene when you don't realize. You're like, oh shit, oh shit, this guy's getting squished. But you find out he is a tune. If he wasn't a tune, that scene would have been really <laughs> fucked up. Right? Like, so fucked really up. Really fucked up. <laughs> wow. It was just missing an exploding head. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we see his eyes and hear his voice, and Eddie starts freaking. I love the kind of almost kind of uh, uh, um, shock that Eddie gets when he realizes, oh shit. That's the guy. That's the same face. He almost kind of gets frozen in fear, in a sense. Uh, he tries to kill Eddie, but Eddie outwits him and gets him sprayed with a dip. Doom gets killed. This is when the police and, and some tunes arrive. They realize, Eddie realizes that the ink that had been disappeared on his shirt has reappeared. And he's like, wait a minute. The letter that Roger had. We find out this whole time, Roger had the will in his hand. Everyone's happy. Everyone's together. Toontown has been saved. And they literally walk off into the sunset with Porky Pig. I guess that's how he came up with his famous phrase. That's all, folks. The end. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the movie, you know, it still holds up. I enjoy myself watching this film. Watching uh, Doom Die is like so comical for me now. Like when he comes back at Eddie, when he does the whole, you know, when I killed your brother, that shit still. (laughs) Yeah. I will never yep. stop it's, being It's also the bouncing scene. on the uh, the spring shoes. And then the eyes. I was like, why would you even do that to us? We don't need no, this. No, like, I don't see the thing comes dude, straight at me. animated eyes on a regular person's flesh is fucked up. I don't know why you do that to us. Last fun fact about Christopher Lloyd, what made him so yeah. terrifying is that the director gave him a note to never blink. 
when he's on the camera. That makes sense. And yeah. so if you, that's another thing to go back to. You'll notice he never blinks. Wow. Upward boobs and no blinking. No blinking. It's <laughs> great. No blinking. Bounce and no bounce. Wow. No blinking. No blinking. Yeah. yeah I, I, um, him squealing is pretty funny, though. I mean, it takes me out of the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie, this movie, you know, I think it still holds up today. I think it's it a does. movie, even if you've never seen it, you'd, you'd probably still enjoy it. It's on Disney Plus, which is great. I was watching in 4K, which is beautiful. And it still works with the 4K format. It does. Beautiful. Yeah, it, it definitely holds up a lot. Um, any last words, guys? Oh, only last thing I will say. Um, you guys, if you have time, look it up. Uh, the way that they actually animated the characters, drawing frame by frame on top of everything, they build it similar to the way that people do graffiti or watercolor painting. And there had to be like six to seven layers for each character to make them look three-dimensional. And mm. uh, if you think about it in scenes where there are multiple characters, like in the scene where they're walking through the studio and there's a whole bunch of characters in the background, in those scenes there are a minimum of 600 frames per second. So rewatch it wow. and appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I don't know what we're going to do next week. I'll figure something out. I'll look at what's been released so that it can, it can be in touch with that and keep checking up on our social media to find out what our next movie will be. Uh, thank you, Rocket Mike. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Raven. Thank you. Thank you, Chewy. <laughs> oh, he's... You're not going to bark now? No barking? Fine. <laughs> oh, he just did. Somebody's at the door, so actually this is all perfect timing. Perfect. My name is English Dave, and as always, Raven... Keep it nerd. Peace. Peace.